Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi, welcome back to Ausbiz Australia's only uh, business markets live streaming service. Uh, great to have your company for the afternoon as we kick off with the call. 60 minutes where we analyse 10 stocks suggested by you. We come up uh, with a stock of the day, something that's in the headlines. We put it to our expert panel, uh, which is today Carl Kapowinga from Think Markets in Perth. Carl, how are you, sir? Good afternoon, David. Yes, I'm well over here. Beautiful sunny day here in Perth and uh, yeah, loving some sunshine after some horrible weather lately. How about you over there? All right. Lucky you added the horrible weather. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd say shut up, Carl. You're living living a normal life with beautiful weather where the rest of the country is in lockdown. We don't want to hear it. (laughs) I I have a daughter and grandchildren living over there and uh, it's life as normal. So they're they're having a great time. So hopefully you are too. Uh, Also uh, joining us from TMS Capital, Ben Clark. Ben, good to see you. G'day, David. And I'm um, definitely leaving an abnormal life at the moment. Sorry. Um, Yeah, so... The weather's good. It's about as much as I can say. <laughs> exactly, as we uh, all fight through this. All right, let's get stuck uh, straight into it. Uh, stock of the day. Thought we'd take a look at a bit of a favourite here on um, on the call. Comes up pretty regularly. Nick Scarley, the retailer, the furniture retailer. Um, reporting season well underway. We're a bit spoilt for choice with our stocks today, but... Um, Nick Scarley more than doubling full year profits. The retailer is also set to dish out a 40% increase in or 40, 40 cents per share dividend. Um, Nick Scarley failing to provide full year gu- guidance due to what it calls a high degree of uncertainty in the current retail environment. But uh, the last 12 months was and they've done all right. Um, however, the company did acknowledge buoyant trading conditions at the moment. Um, Carl, what do you think of uh, the result and also Nick Scarley as a stock? It's an interesting uh, business, isn't it? It's basically founder-run, the family, um, still run the business. Uh, If you've ever bought Nick Scarley furniture, you buy it and they say, we'll deliver it in three months. So it's a great business model (laughs) because they don't actually make it until you pay for it. (laughs) So it's been a winner. It's very clever. Yeah, very, very clever business model. And you, I, I chuckled when you said uh, three months because it, it, it waits about that long at the moment because 
I was in a Nick Scarly uh, showroom not that long ago, and that's what we were told to to do. And yep. I, I think this uh, this result is juiced largely by this idea of when you walk in at the moment, uh, you pretty much take what you can get. So it's yep. not a matter of haggling on price. It's a matter of take it or leave it, because if you don't buy it, the next person that walks in the door probably is going to buy it. So, uh, yes, retailers, not just Nick Scully, they're, they're very lucky at the moment. Their uh, margins are way, way up, and uh, they're obviously sales are riding the uh, the COVID. I mean, this this FY is all about COVID and its impact and, uh, and lockdowns and and, uh, and people, therefore, refurnishing re, re their homes and Nick Scully taking advantage of that. So they're probably the two key, key themes, a big bump in earnings, uh, potentially, you could argue it's uh, abnormal; it won't last. Uh, and then also the other feature is those um, those great margins. Uh, look, just on the result, it was it was a beat uh, on on our numbers, so a little bit higher than expected, uh, order of magnitude five percent. The dividend was uh, disappointing. Um, the company has chosen to pay a smaller dividend than anticipated, obviously because of, you mentioned uh, the uncertainty due to current lockdowns. They're also thinking of doing an acquisition uh, of Plush. They're, you know, that's in the market. They've been talking to Plush. So uh, I think they just want to just keep keep some cash around, keep the balance sheet strong. Um, so that's a little bit disappointing. But I would remind investors that the, the money is still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, if, if they wanted to increase their dividend next time around, they could. So look, I think it's I think it's a great result. I think looking forward, that's the key with any any business. And you have to then say, well, you know, like for like comparisons going forward aren't going to be as fantastic. We're not going to see these doubling of profits down the track. And then you've got to figure out what growth uh, rate you apply to it when you do your you know your discounted cash flow evaluation. So I think earnings are going to be pretty flat. I think tailwinds are coming from just the stage of the cycle we're in so i think we're in the right stage of the cycle for retailers just with you know local economic growth and where we are um but then you know just flat comparisons uh, i don't think the business is expensive i've got fair value of my, my price target sort of in the 13s so i th oh. still think there's a bit of upside there the chart looks really good bottom left top right lots of consolidation recently a little bit of a breakout to the upside uh, before this announcement, a little bit of disappointment in the market today. I think with that maybe that dividend and not providing guidance, but I think it will recover and and, and the value and the quality is 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 there. So you know, incredible return on equity, probably one of the best in the market, over fifty percent per annum. And I'm I'm kind of gushing because you know I, I do love this stock. Every time I've been on the call, I've called it a buy, and I'm happy to reiterate the buy that we have in the system right. on this one. Um, do you think um, this is a? We've had a couple of stocks having this early part of the earnings season just not giving any guidance at all. Do you think that's going to be a feature of this earnings season that the that executives are going to wimp out? <laughs> I don't oh, look, I don't think they're wimping out. I think there's some, you know, some pretty significant reasons why they might just want to pull back on it. And then it'll be it'll it'll be sector specific. So, you know, you can understand why right. Nick Scarley might do it and then you might understand why, say, a BHP or a Rio won't do it, because they you know, just local yep. lockdowns versus, you know, international factors. Okay. All right, Ben, what do you think of the Nick Scarly result and the stock at these levels? Yeah, I pretty much echo all of Carl's comments there. I thought it was a um, I thought it was an awesome result. Um, the, the the guidance, I, I, you're asking there, Koshi, I think the more relevant things that we are going to see in this earnings season is a lot of attention paid to guidance. Um, yep. I, I think you're going to see a lot of beats coming through in this earnings season. And um, on the back of that, I think that's kind of largely been priced in with this roaring share market that we've seen over the first half of this year. I think the attention is really going to turn to the earnings outlook. Um, Nick Scarly sort of said that uh, sales for July were down 27% versus July 2020. 
Um, and of course, that's because a lot of the, the stores at the moment are not allowed to open. Um, but then you wonder if that's going to create this pent up demand that we saw um, in the first nationwide lockdowns where everyone rushed into these shops, realised that they needed items of furniture. I probably underestimated, you know, I, I sort of thought that last year was a bit of a one-off um, sugar hit because I just thought, you know, people weren't set up for working from home. They're spending more time around the house. So they, they went and, you know, sort of furnished the house a bit more, um, you know, spent some more money in that side of it. And that maybe that was kind of like one-off purchases and they wouldn't come back this year but that it clearly has continued and you know as Carl was saying you know, you've got great operators here a um, couple of other points they're still planning on rolling out about another 25 stores that's their goal they haven't got a set time frame on that it's almost a you know one-third increase on their stores so you can get really good growth in retail um, from store rollout um, which they seem to be continuing to plan on um, I, I think it's a buy as well. Um, you know, I don't think it looks overly expensive. Um, I think um, that the, the, it's a very strong result. The share price has come off today with, I think, more attention paid to that guidance. But I think you're probably going to see, um, you know, see it continue to run. Okay. All right. So uh, both um, uh, Ben and Carl like Nick Scarley. Um, Will wants a view, Ben, on Swoop Holdings. Uh, Will says... Would like to hear the panel's thoughts. From a purely technical perspective, it looks good. Perhaps your guess could shed some light on the fundamental swoop. Of course, yeah, it's basically a, a regional uh, mobile broadband business. They recently bought a, a Victorian-based wireless broadband provider to add to its stable. Um, ben, what do you think of swoop? It sort of sticks out, sticks away from capital cities, does it? And mainly focuses on those regional areas. That's right, Koshi. It's, so it's mainly sort of outer um, suburban areas and regional areas. So, I, you know, I think in telcos, it's really important to have a niche. We saw telcos were an area that performed, you know, they had a horrible, after being a great area for many years, they had a terrible um, few years, a couple of years back. But we started to see a resurgence in this area. You know, companies like our Unity um, and Australian Broadband have shot the lights out over the last couple of years. I think there's more attention being paid to this space again they can be particularly good when you're doing these um, um when you're doing these big acquisition funded programs so you know this one is only just floated i think it is you know in terms of technicals i don't know if you could really apply too much in the way of technicals yeah. when it's only been trading for a couple of months yeah uh, the, i guess the area i'd have to be cautious about is it was floated at 50 cents and it's it's tripled since then and so there's a lot of hype around this float because Andrew Forrest is a 20% shareholder of the company. Um, Jane Spensley's the, the chairman who's very well credentialed, got a great track record. And, and Tony Grist is, um, is heavily involved as well. And, you know, he, he's got a great track record in telco land. So it's got really good people behind it. I think it's got a very defined plan as to how it's going to grow its earnings. It's made two acquisitions in three months since it started trading. But the share price has tripled um, and there is still a bit of hype in it. So I think it's a hold. Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, the technicals uh, do look good. As Ben said, there's not a lot, a lot of data out there at the moment because it's a fairly 
uh, I, I don't know if I'd call it a, a listing. It was more of a backdoor uh, sort of listing than anything else. So it came from a company called Stemify, who, let's face it, uh, probably I don't think they ever made a dollar and um, the, the share price was going almost to zero. And then they vended in this swoop business and a couple of other small ISPs. Um, they do have that point of difference. So I, I wrote my notes, you know, um, small fish in a big pond, um, no pun intended with uh, Telstra, Telstra's <laughs> old big pond. But, uh, you know, but they, they do have that point of difference in that they're doing fixed wireless rather than your, 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 your fibre. So, yeah, and servicing some of those regional areas um, where maybe that's really the, the, the most practical way of doing things. Uh, Tatarang, yes, with uh, I've got 28% in my notes here uh, holding in it. Um, so, you know, you've got some big names on the register, but I, I couldn't find a lot of data on what they're going to earn this year. And I had to base a lot of my estimates on what they earned last year, um, which was pretty good. And they're potentially potentially cheaper um, still, even after this run. Um, but I, I just need more data because it's so early and um, there's, mm. there's just so little information out there. It's hard to make a really confident call. I would say on the basis of the chart. Uh, and the basis of the last year's earnings looking quite cheap. I think you absolutely have to hold it. Um, for me, I just think without a nut, without that information I require to make a yeah. confident decision, I couldn't recommend people run out and buy it just yet. So sure. once we get the, the next four year results, then I'll be able to make a, a more informed decision. Okay, we might revisit it sometime in the future. All right, let's um, move on now. Sam wants a view uh, on Newcrest Mining, Carl. Sam says currently rated as a buy. Uh, by a number of brokers out there. What do you think of uh, Newcrest? You're in the the heart of the gold sort of circle in Australia. Yeah, look, I mean, it is rated as a buy. I'm just looking at the broker consensus here. I've got one strong buy, nine buys, six holds, no sells, no strong sells. Uh, A price target of 31.64, which is some 20% higher roughly than where it's trading. So the the brokers uh, do like it. Um, And I'd always, always, you know, it's interesting the viewers brought this up. Um, you, I think you need to be a little bit cautious about broker consensus sometimes because if you look at the chart, the chart's not exactly shooting the lights out uh, and uh. charts are just a reflection of the demand supply dynamic. So if it was such a raging buy, you would expect it to be bottom left, top right, like Nick Scully. Yep. And it's almost really the opposite, right? Where it's top left, bottom right. So mm. who's who's buying and selling uh, or predominantly selling? It's the brokers. So the brokers have a buy in it, but yet brokers are selling. I know they're selling for clients as well, but uh, you know, <laughs> wouldn't they be advising their clients to hang on uh, if, if that was the case? So look, take broker consensus with a little bit of a pinch of salt. It's a guide, much like any of the other fundamental analysis uh, inputs we might, we might use. The chart is a great tool, uh, David, it's telling you what the consensus is and consensus is that Newcrest maybe um, isn't as uh, exciting as, as, as some would think. Um, I don't think it's particularly expensive, you know, trading on uh, sort of 13 or 14 times this year's and next year's earnings. It uh, doesn't have a particularly great yield, but it is fully franked. Um, I, I think the reason why brokers, um, I shouldn't say brokers, brokers are excited, but maybe the market isn't as excited is that you know, we, we, there's always this question mark over whether gold and copper prices are going to stay where they are. So, look, don't get me wrong, they're making great money while these prices are elevated. But then you look at sort of next year, year out, year out, some of the some of the um, some of the forecasts are starting to get pegged back. So I think it's around about fair fair value um, to slightly good value, uh, but the chart would hold me back. So it's a hold if you've got it, and it's not all that that exciting if you right. don't. Because it's the biggest, that sort of the market leader, is it? Generally, your preference, does it actually perform as the market leader? 
in gold. Yeah, well, look, sometimes, yeah, sometimes the market leaders are a bit, bit big and a bit boring, and um, you know their 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 growth. Uh, expectate, you know, their the growth profile is not as good as some of the smaller ones that are opening mines or having great exploration success. Um, so no, it's not not picking my sector. I definitely have a look at uh, Perseus. Looks really good. So ticker code uh, PRU. Um, Bellevue, they're going to be in production very soon. Calidus is going to be in production very soon. Ticket code CAI. So within that gold space, you know, it's such a broad church. But uh, no, they definitely right. wouldn't be looking at Eucharist as my my top pick. Okay. Uh, ben, what do you think of New Chris? Yeah, I'd, I'd have it as actually as a sell, Koshi. Um, th- this has been a perennial underperformer, really. Um, and it, it really stems back to the Lahir Gold acquisition that they made about a decade ago, um, where, you know, they bought one of the, um, you know, an incredibly, like, um, geotechnically difficult asset to mine out of, which, you know, in a, in a effectively in a volcano off the coast volcano. of Papua New Guinea. So... Yeah, so it's um, not not an easy asset to own, and it wasn't for Lahir, and it hasn't turned out to be for Newcrest. I guess I, I'd be a seller because I'm I'm a bear on gold. You know, I I believe that the inflationary um, concerns that we're hearing a lot about at the moment are not permanent, and I think if you look at bond yields at the moment after spiking up at the start of the year, they're really suggesting almost deflation in some ways. So I think this kind of argument of having an inflationary hedge through gold. It's not for me at the moment, but um, I also think, you know, you look at that share price chart over the last five years, it's really gone nowhere and paid no dividends. And it's it's been a company that's had these continued production related issues. It's had troubles with its cost profile. Um, and they're the two key sort of things that are in management's ability to get right. You know, the gold price, of course, is outside their control and that's just part of being a miner. Um, so you know, I for me it's a it's a sell. Um, I think the number two player, um, Northern Star, has been the the gold standard. You know, excuse the pun, the gold standard in this in this sector in terms of creating value for um, for shareholders. But there is a bit of um, upheaval there with Bill Beaumont, who's you know been the the real driver behind that, having left the company and moved on to Venturex. So, um, but sell Newcrest. Okay. All right. Um, Susie wants a view, uh, Ben, on Omni Bridgeway. Susie says shares in this have not had a good year with the share price falling by 20%. They've had, had a bit of a run-up in the last day or so, or last week or so, I noticed. Uh, is there any yeah. possible potential I'm missing? Um, these are uh, sort of uh, um, what they, they sue companies for corporate governance issues and... Uh, Some would call them sort of vultures um, in the market. (laughs) They pull companies up and act on behalf of shareholders and and take uh, legal action and uh, against uh, uh, corporates. But they've got operations in all around the world, so they've turned into a big group. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like this company, Koshi. I'm going to go buy on Omni. Um, It's one that we that we do have a small holding in. The, the main reason for the underperformance has been that COVID, you know, that just so many weird knock-on effects of COVID, both positive and negative. But of course, it, it closed down courtrooms right across the world. You know, that right. a lot of cases that were in the pipeline um, with determination dates and potentially payout dates for this group have either been put on hold or they're in a backlog with other cases. And courts are really struggling, you know, in Europe and in America, because this is where the bulk of their operations are to keep up. 
So um, hopefully that's something that will slowly start to um, go back into its favour. The, the big thing I like about this company, and we have followed it for some years, is you know if you go back five years, this company used to use its own balance sheet to fund these class actions. So it, you know, the, the two kind of high profile ones it had in the last five years were the Brisbane floods, which it won, um, successfully suing the dam operator um, um, and saying that that created this, uh, this huge class action on behalf of all the people who had negatively affected. And the ANZ um, bank fee case, you know, sort of alleging that the banks were effectively ripping us off, which they lost on appeal. Um, so if you, if you look at it back then, it was a good business, but it wasn't a great business because it had to, it spent all of its own money um, up front to fund these cases on behalf of the people who joined the class action. So it took on quite a lot of risk on its own balance sheet. And, you know, these things could take five, six, seven years before they were resolved. So there's very long pipelines. And I think the the thing that has seriously improved the quality of this business is it's almost become a fund manager. So what, what, what it's launched, particularly in the US, is it's now offering funds that investors can invest in that have exposure to these cases. And the investors put a lot of the capital to fund the cases. Um, Omni potentially will make less money on positive determinations because they're sharing that profit with the fund investors. But it's, it's, it's moving them to a much more capital light model less risk to their own balance sheet mm. and a more reliable flow. And, and you know, th they've now got about $20 billion in forward cases that they're currently wow. um, having their pipeline, which are now funded through about nine funds. And they launched their first fund like three or four years ago. So I've, I think this one's underappreciated by the market. I would say the year-to-year -year cash flows are really lumpy. Ignore consensus numbers because... You know, they can have a win, but if the determination gets pushed out to next year, suddenly the current year numbers don't look so great. So you've got to take a longer term view. Oh, it's an interesting one and um, a smart change in business model. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Omni Bridgeway? Yeah, I was just chuckling to myself because, you know, we, we, you, a lot of analysts come on the call and they talk about software as a service models and annual recurring revenue. And, and Ben's right, it's the, the model they're trying to go for is uh, less of this staking their own money and having the risk associated with that and, and getting uh, investors to come in. So uh, Vulture as a service model, potentially, Koshi there. <laughs> I, I don't think, you know, Vulcus, Vultures have a, you know, in the, in the circle of life, they serve a, serve a purpose, right? So um, it's all good. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I like it from uh, just looking at the fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, the courts uh, system obviously grown to a halt. That's hurt them through COVID. On, on these types of um, companies, I like to look at how they're performing before COVID. Uh, because if you've got a view that things will get back to normal, and my, that's my view, then their performance before COVID should be reflected in uh, their performance uh, post-COVID. And if you look at the chart, uh, of their company before COVID, it was actually going really, really well. So once that hit, it, it's you can see a, a big flattening out of the curve there, but there's the longer term chart. So you can see it was doing quite well before that. And I expect it to do well after that. They've been growing their book in terms of uh, their, their, their cases that are pending. Um, they don't look particularly expensive here. And if you if they do get back to normal, they're probably trading in you know, low to mid single digit PEs. Um, right. I've got a price target around about $5. Um, but they're all fundamental. So is it the right company? I think it's the right company. Is it the right price? I think it's a fantastic price. And then I have to look at the chart. Um, the chart's not quite lining up just yet. So the chart gives you my timing 
and the timing requires, I think, a little bit more cooking. I think yesterday's performance and the performance uh, since that low, that low around about 3.30, I think is very impressive. And what I like is that the volume's coming in here. But let's just see how it goes. A bit of a rally, a bit of a pullback, and maybe the next leg up is where I'll, I'll be happy to get into it. So, look, absolutely 100% hold it if you've got it. Um, if you don't, then we're just waiting for a bit more price action to confirm our entry. Okay. All right. Um, let's move on to our full stock. Benji wants a view, uh, uh, Carl, on, um, on Chorus. Um, Chorus is basically New Zealand's version of uh, Telstra, is it? Well, it's it's New, New Zealand's version of the NBN Co, I guess. Right. Um, maybe that's the better way to put it. So they own most of the network. And ah, then they so they own the poles and the wires and the wire and all that sort of stuff. The, yep. the, fi- the, the fibre mainly. So right. they yeah, so so they own the fibre and the network, and then they wholesale it to ISPs, who then sell it to you know mums and dads and businesses etc. So yeah, they're, they're, there's this big sort of um, switching over from copper to fibre at the moment in New Zealand. And there are quite a few vultures sort of trying to pick at that carcass and and right. and, and bring those old copper um, users uh, over to them, of which um, you know, uh, chorus. Hopefully, um, the, the the retailers will be able to do that and bring bring connections to to their fibre network. Uh, but competition is quite high for for that that group. Um, tend to, they tend to be in uh, rural areas as well and. Uh, that's where that um, that sort of fixed wireless is really starting to erode or eat into the the, the switchovers. Uh, so there's plenty of competition in that space, plenty of um, sort of marketing and discounting going on, uh, and that's uh, that is negatively impacting the new connections for Chorus, so which are which are basically flat over the last 12 months. In fact, they've probably been edging a little lower. Um, trying to find positives here. I, I'm probably not going to find many. Maybe Ben might yep. find a few. Their, their, their revenues are fixed by the regulators so that they've got so that pegged upside. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned. I don't think it, it, it's, it looks really expensive too. I mean, the PE I've got here, just in my notes, uh, 50 times this year's and roughly 50 times next year's earnings. Uh, it's priced for massive growth, but without any growth. Uh, the yield is not particularly attractive. It's unfranked. The chart looks pretty precariously placed here. I think if it breaks below 550, uh, it could really fall a long way. So right. um, I can't really see any reason why you'd own it. So, um, you know, interesting, okay. Ben went sell on Ucrest. I went hold. I think I'm going to go sell on this one. Right. Okay. Ben? I'll go I'll reverse that. I'll go hold on this one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think um, what Carl touched on there has been, you, you, you can see that there was a big correction in the, in the share price, um, I think it was back in in May or March, um, yeah. where the, the stock fell about a dollar fifty. I think this is an incredible asset that they own, um, but um, because it's an incredible asset and has um, real uh, monopolistic style attributes, it also has a pricing regulator which oversees what Chorus is able to charge the um, the ISPs for the resale of the asset. And, um, you know, we, we've been a, a long-term shareholder in Spark, um, which is similar. It's not similar. It's a different asset. It's well, the it was, wise. Spark, Spark's the retail version, isn't it? Whereas, whereas this um, Chorus is the wholesaler. Yeah, so that Chorus is-, is the wholesaler. And the regulator in New Zealand has come out and um, has, you know, every sort of five years, the regulator will set a price that the company um, can pass on. And they'll normally look, 
they'll normally let you earn a certain return on equity. So they'll take into account the cost of your debt and what's called gold plating. Um, and, you know, that's been a bit of a criticism is that if you spend more money on the asset, then you can, um, it gives you the ability to increase your prices to reflect the capex. And there's always, you know, particularly in electricity, there's been long held criticism that companies spend more money than they need to right. just so that they can um, get more cash flow. And so the, the New Zealand regulator has come out and, and said, um, we, we, we're proposing that you earn effectively a lower return on equity on, on the asset, which led to Spark saying, if this is introduced, um, this is the impact it will have on our earnings, which was effectively a downgrade. Um, now they asked, this is quite common with very um, regulatory held assets where you know, the regulator will have a view, the company will have a view, um, and then it goes to an independent um, pricing authority that will mediate between the two and make a decision which will stand for the next five years. That final decision is yet to be made. And so I think the share price, you know, in absence and while we wait to find out what it is, is right. um, out of favour and treading water. I, I, I'm going a hold because I think, you know, to me, looking at the numbers, even if um, the regulator gets what they want, which I think normally is unlikely. It's normally sort of comes in somewhere between the two. It's kind of priced in, but you could get this, you know, sort of announcement where they say, okay, this is where it's been set. And to me, there's probably more upside than downside. It is, you know, it's on a 4.9% yield on my numbers. So I, that looks pretty attractive to me in this environment. Um, and, you know, I think expectations are low and I do think it's a good asset. All right, could pop up there. Um, all right, uh, Fitstop, Michael wants a view, uh, Ben, on Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, this, okay, so banks at the moment, um, Commonwealth Bank is the bank to own in this country. I think if you um, look at how well they've navigated the, the COVID um, crisis, probably best in class, you would have to say, although, you know, the Royal Commission certainly didn't uh, find that the pass was as good. But I think under Matt Common, they've been doing an incredibly good job at um, getting regulators, consumers, um, you know, all of the all of the inputs back on board. It's expensive. CBA is trading on 20 times forward earnings. Banks typically trade on sort of, you know, maybe 14 times in a good environment. So it's probably a bit of a reflection of stronger than expected earnings growth coming up as a lot of um, households and businesses come out of COVID uh, combined. Uh, with the low interest rate environment we're seeing, which is seeing all companies um, trade on to higher earnings multiples. Um, they've managed their balance sheet, I think, a lot better than the other three banks. You know, if you look at NAB, you know, what a shocker. Uh, NAB, 14 months ago, uh, do a $3 billion capital raising at, I think it was about sort of $14.60. And last week, announce a $2.5 billion on-market buyback at $25.80. You know, you, you're literally burning cash when you're doing, you're, you're selling your shares at the very bottom of the market and buying them back after they've um, almost doubled in price. So CBA hasn't been guilty of, um, of mismanagement on their register in that way. It looks expensive. I'm going to say hold. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Comback? Yeah, not not guilty yet, Ben. There's still uh, there's still time uh, in <laughs> yeah, the next results. You know, there's there are rumours yeah. swirling that that uh, I think I saw yeah, a number yeah. of four four billion for Commonwealth Bank. 
Oh, what do you do? What do you do with the banks? And I, when, every time I come on the show and I'm asked about a bank, I typically say, look, it doesn't matter what I say. If you've got a bank, you're not going to sell it no matter what I say. And it's probably still the case. But um, hey, we talked about broker consensus earlier on. I want to give you the broker consensus. Now, this is Thomson Reuters data for Commonwealth Bank. So we had Newcrest Mining, which was a resounding buy, right? And the share price was you know, looking yep. pretty terrible. So here's the broker consensus for Commonwealth Bank, David. One strong buy, zero buys seven holds and six sells and when we look at the chart it's bottom left top right so yep. uh, what does that tell what does that tell you about broker consensus <laughs> uh it's not cheap um yeah 20 times earnings it should be low uh, low teens um but i don't know i'm trying to find the i'm trying to justify the, the valuation for cba at the moment to then justify the chart because i'm a technical analyst yeah and the chart says buy the fundamentals say if you buy it now chances are you, you probably should expect a prolonged period of underperformance based upon the valuation. I'm going to um, I'm going to turn my brain off and say, buy it. Hold it if you've got it because you're not going to sell it anyway. And if you don't have it and, you, and you're looking for a bank, you might as well buy this one. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> the tussle between the, the, the technicals and the fundamentals. I love it. That's right. All right. Let's just re recap the uh, first five stocks. Uh, a buy for Nick Scarley from uh, both Ben and Carl. Uh, hold for Swoop. Uh, sell for Ben on Newcrest. A, uh, a hold from Carl. Uh, Omni Bridgeway. A yes from Ben. A hold from Carl. Uh, Chorus. A sell from Carl. A hold from Ben. And um, a hold from both um, on CBA if you own it. And if you, got, if you want to buy a bank, that's the best one to buy according to Carl. Um, here at the call, uh, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner Nab Trade. All the stocks that get two thumbs up, um, sort of like Nick Scarley did, go into the calls portfolio. Let's uh, see how it's performing. For the week, up 1.5% since the, uh, for the last month, up 2%. And since the 1st of last month, the 1st of July, new financial year, up two and a half percent. Some of the stocks recently added, uh, Sydney Airport, Osco Healthcare, Appen, Monash, IBF and Steadfast. Uh, some of the stocks removed, Evolution Mining Premium and McMahon. If you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Um, Carl, uh, let's kick off the, uh, the second half of the call. Ashani wants a view on Kogan. Ashani says massive hits to share price over the last six months. Any upside still uh, remaining in them? Of course, the uh, the big online um, digital retailer founded by Russell and Kogan uh, was a darling during last year's lockdowns. Yeah, look, it had a huge run up in the share price out of uh, COVID there because you know once again, a bit like Nick Scarley. Everybody started spending their money online, uh, online and buying Kogan products. So look, I think net net going forward, that's going to be a positive because many of those people would probably never had experienced or would have had an experience of Kogan if not for that pandemic. Uh, they're up to you know 3.2 million active customers, another 800 odd thousand uh, with Mighty Eight. Um, so they really are building this critical mass of you know, repeat users, and I think that's very exciting. Maybe they're a little bit of a victim of their own success because they loaded up on inventory and then when spending patterns returned a little bit more back to normal at the start of this year uh, they got caught with that and that means you need to hold that inventory so you've got warehousing costs uh, you then need to market it 
at lower prices to get rid of it. So that had really pegged back what the market had assumed was going to be uh, growth estimates going down the track. And that's why the share price has fallen. So about, uh, I think it was 50, 60% plus uh, fall. So it's one of the, we've actually followed this one really closely at Think Markets. I've covered it a couple of times this year in our turnaround stocks um, webinars. Uh, I covered it, I think, in February. I said it's, uh, maybe it was February, March. It's too early, don't buy it. I covered it last month. I said it's still too early, don't buy it. And I'm going to be on the show today and say it's still too early, don't buy it yet. But I think there's a there's a good quality uh, business there, good underlying business. I think it will return to sort of high teens uh, growth, in which case I don't think it's all that expensive around here. I just need to see that chart pick up. So mm. um, is it the right stock? I think it's the right stock. Is it the right price? I don't think it's expensive. I don't think it's screaming value. We'll see how we go um, with the chart. And, and we might be able to pick it a little bit cheaper on a little bit of an upturn okay. later on. So if you've got it, I think there's enough in it to hold onto it. If you don't, then it depends on the price action improving on the chart. Okay. Benny, you're a fan of Kogan. A, a lot of investors get um, a bit turned off uh, because of the... The founders seem to sell out at the peak of the market and take their profits. They're yeah. only human. You've got to put cash in the bank, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a valid criticism, Koshi. Like, it, there's insider selling, but then there's the, some of the, it's probably the most aggressive insider selling um, I've, I've sort of seen. I think, you know, that there's nothing wrong with founders taking money out. Um, you know, I think the Alassian guys are selling stock every week um, out. I think there's a better way it can be done where you can just sort of say, look, this is what I'm intending to do over the next year and I'm going to be doing this amount every week and it's, you know, it's got nothing to do with what the share price is doing at the time because they do seem to have a pretty good um, track record of picking the, the, the short-term peaks. However, um, Kogan is not a stock I've ever owned, but I, I actually think it looks pretty interesting at these prices. It's... Um, it looks cheap. It's on um, 30 times sort of coming years PE, dropping to about 22 times. On I would say that's on consensus, and consensus has proven to be very wrong um, over the last couple of years. So, but it it it, it looks cheap. Um, it's got net cash on the balance sheet. Uh, you know, I, I I think with these lockdowns that have rapidly developing around the country, there probably is a short-term lift in demand. Carl's right. The, um, they've had some inventory issues, which is a, you know a real part of being a successful retailer is successfully managing inventory levels, and they, there were some issues there. But you know the the, the valuation. I, I think you know you can criticise the selling inside of selling, but the, the, the these guys are very good operators. You know yeah. they've shown a, it's an incredible ability to get to where they've got to now. So um, you know I'm going to say hold and probably look at the result and potentially looking to buy. Mm, okay. Yeah, the, the next result's going to be really interesting because they, they look in their last update, it was uh, middle of last month, they said that that inventory issue is just starting to back out now. They're getting on top of it. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it next, another one of those companies, I mentioned one earlier on, maybe it was Swoop, that you, you're really looking forward to, to seeing how they're going on the next, on the full year results. Sure. Okay. Uh, Anthony wants a view, Carl, on Novanix, the uh, the battery materials and technology company. Anthony says volumes are picked up and the technical starting to look good again. That's music to Carl's ears. Um, yep, sure is. <laughs> I am a holder of the stock, Anthony uh, points out. So uh, what do you think of, uh, of Novanix? They've got a heap of cash on the bank, $136 million um, in the cash balance and uh, has... Um, um, almost doubled receipts in the in the last quarter. 
Yeah, well, I think Anthony needs to hang on to this one. It's a very exciting company. Again, always talk about right stock, uh, right price, right time. I think it definitely think it's the right stock. So really exciting area of you know the, the global economy at the, at the moment. So uh, we're talking about electric uh, storage batteries. Yep. And these guys do a couple of things. They've got a, a battery test uh, technology at the moment, which you know they say is the world's best. But anyway, they're making some money from that. So there's some cash flows coming to the business. That's always nice to, to I guess, fund the main show, which is going to be their um, uh, synthetic uh, graphite anode business so that's the the really the key components in your in your battery it really determines the longevity of the battery the reliability of the battery and its um its performance so look it, it they've got some big contracts out there i think samsung is one of them sanyo is another one so the market um, you know the market is responding in the right way to their product it's one building thing for a big them factory to say in america in tennessee they are well. building in, in in tennessee so it's one thing for the for, for them to say hey we've got the best thing but i think the market's starting to respond to that so you know it's always bottom left top right when you look at um you know electric storage battery growth over the next 10 years so yeah right company is at the right price i actually don't think it's all that expensive often we find these sorts of companies trading on a zillion times uh, earnings now probably won't start earning money till fy 23 24 but it i'm thinking about uh, 25 to 30 times that earnings. Now, because that's further out than saying, well, it's this year's earnings, there's some execution risk to get there. But I think the company's got a really good track record on delivering on what they're promising. So with fairly low execution risk and not really that expensive for the growth they're going to have from there, I think it actually looks really cheap here. Um, Anthony's right, the chart's starting to look very good. It's had you know a huge spurt when everybody realises what it is and they, everybody gets all excited about it. But it's had that really nice long consolidation phase that's just turning up. And as Anthony says, the volume's starting to come in the right way. Um, so I'm a buyer of this one. I think it's really neat. Yeah, I'd happy to, be happy to buy it here. Okay. Ben? I'll, I'll go a hold. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what Carl said there. Um, you know, in terms of looking at the more speculative end of the market, this this company's got a lot of the things that you like to see, which is, a, you know, a big cash balance. They're not going to have to go back to shareholders for some time. Um, there is some money, it looks like, is coming in the door, which is quite unusual. Um, and they're obviously moving into a big potential market, some good shareholders on the register. I would just say, you know, they, like, when I see presentations and half the presentation is about electric vehicle demand and what that's going to do, it's sort of like, you know, it's kind of like telling a bit of a, a story. I'd rather sort of focus on the fundamentals. It, I guess the reason I'm a hold and not a buy is I just don't understand why, you know, having looked at this this morning, why, why the technology is so much better than what else is going on out there, who the competitors are, what they're planning on doing, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, without being an expert in this field and having not spoken to any analysts that might cover and be able to educate me on what the difference is, I think that's what in these little companies you've got to go away and do. You've got to do your own work. Um, yep. But, you know, on on face value, um, there's some the boxes being ticked here. So I'll say hold. Yeah, I, All right. I could probably probably add a little bit to that. Um, so the, the current uh, uh, anode technology is based around minerals like, you know, lithium and cobalt and yep. nickel and, and those other things. So these guys take coking coal, right, which is, let's face it, pretty easy to get your hands on for not a lot of money. And then they turn it into these um, synthetic graphite anodes. So it's, you know, it's a cheaper yeah. uh, anode and it tends to perform better as well. So, you know, it's sort of double whammy there. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Um uh, ben, Brad wants a view on our next stock, uh, Select Harvest. Basically, 
Um, this is Australia's biggest almond producer, is it? Um, that grows, processes, package it. Think of it as a wine company, but uh, but with almonds, and then exports it around the world. So an agricultural yeah. business. Yeah. Um, look, I, I say whole Koshi. I, I I think long term, I, I I like businesses like this. I think um, you know the demand pattern is going in their favour. We know that land is getting less fertile, it's getting harder and harder, and it, it's really a scale game in terms of being able to do this profitably. Um, I also think the actual physical agricultural assets that this company owns are probably worth you know, quite a bit of money. We, we owned a company called Vital Harvest, which um, um, owned all the land that the Costa um, group oh, yeah. uh, yeah, grew <coughs> their berries on. Sort of and, a REIT, is I don't know. So, agricultural REIT. Yeah, exactly. And the, the takeover tussle that ended up ensuing between a private equity player and Macquarie Bank to get hold of those assets really told us that the market was massively undervaluing them. Um, so, you know, from a five to ten year view, it's probably a buy. In the shorter term, without wanting to contradict myself, it is so hard investing in these companies. You know, there's three key things that are just completely out of their control, um, which are the crop size from year to year, which is really reliant on um, on growing conditions. Um, then you've got the pricing of the almonds, which can swing quite wildly. Um, and then you've got access to markets um, and, you know, whether there's gluts or shortages of, of the products. And I, I just found, you know, particularly through our ownership of Vital Harvest, which we own from the float through, um, that there were just things that you never could have predicted that, that you got hit with. You know, like they had a period where um, they had fruit flies that got into oranges and the citrus crop was going to drop off. Um, crumbly raspberries that they had to destroy, droughts, fires, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's so yeah. hard. So um, um, I personally, I think that there's a place for these assets. I don't reckon the place is on the Australian share market. I think you've got to take a really long-term view and it's actually better to have them in an unlisted fund. But you look, Select Harvest looks pretty good. So stick with a hold. Okay. Carl? Yeah, look, it's hard work, isn't it? Uh, I'm just looking at my notes here, and it's a, it's an agricultural company. Say no more. I said, uh, if you own it, you you have to be prepared for wild swings in in earnings. Yeah. I, I think if there is an upside, the the swing is now in the heading in the right direction. So uh, they've they've been delivering a bumper crops. I mean, huge increases uh, in their in their crop sizes from FY19 to FY20 and expected, again, another 20-odd um, percent increase this year. The problem is almond pricing has uh, fallen through the floor. Part of that's COVID, part of that uh, a supply glut through California and the US. But uh, some of that's backing out. There's drought conditions in California that's going to pick things back there, um, and just demand's just generally picking up post-COVID. So um, they basically got to where they were only just making a little bit of money. So they've got um, production costs in the high $5 per um ton or kilogram, I can't remember what the metric is, and, yeah. and they, they were getting about $6 for it. So very, very slim margins. Pricing has turned back up, um, and on that basis, the share price has rallied. I, I then question how much of the rally um, has factored in this upside, um, and who knows where prices are going to go from here. So I'll, I'll cut the long story short here. I, I think if you've got it, there's enough in it to hold it, and I think the chart is supportive of that. Uh, if you don't have it, I think there's some pretty key resistance levels coming up around the mid $9 levels. Uh, and that's pretty consistent with um, the, the fair value I have on here. So okay. with limited upside and potentially greater downside, uh, I have to avoid.
All right. Okay. Yeah. Jack wants a view. Carl on Sims, the big global metals and electronics recycling company. Yeah, another a big COVID beneficiary. Uh, not so much, I guess, in, uh, you know, obviously not, not a medical company benefiting from it, but obviously uh, it was huge supply constraints. Uh, those uh, mineral commodity um, markets uh, has sent the prices of scrap and, and other metals yep. through the roof, and they've been a major, major beneficiary of that. So as in, you know, um, you know huge, almost doubling their profits sort of thing, uh, similar to, say, a Nick Scarly, but, you know, it's a completely yep. different place. Uh, so the question then becomes, much like Nick Scarley, where do you see it going from here? Do you, do you see those conditions um, continuing? And you know, most analysts, most brokers, and I'm just not that I have to share this opinion, but I have to know what their opinion is because that's how stocks are valued. But most analysts are you know, predicting those prices to, to peg back, you know, order of magnitude, somewhere between, you know, zero and 20 percent over right. the next three to four years. So we're going to see some of those comparisons be a little bit flatter. Having said that, they're still operating um, just under sort of um, pre-COVID levels. So this this scope for, you know, just general stage of the global economic cycle for that to improve. So I think fairly fairly balanced um, there in terms of um, maybe prices coming off, but volumes increasing. Uh, and therefore, even at this rate, they're still going to be earning a pretty good um, you know, rate of return. And I don't think they're expensive. So I think if you've got it, again, a bit of a broken record here, hold it. Uh, if you don't have it, the chart is saying that we're pretty close to fair value on this one. So um, I've got a price target of around about $17.00. 40, which coincidentally, and I don't make this stuff up, it just is the top of that recent range. So maybe the market thinks that's the target as well. So look, it's a hold if you've got it. If you don't have it, we're waiting for further price action okay. size to say that the market is re-rating this to the upside. Sure. Ben? I'll go sell. Um, Sims is a highly cyclical business, of, you know, in many ways, similar to Select Harvest, you know, where it's got a number of... Um, um, uh, inputs into the um, into the profit line that are completely outside of its control. It, I, I think it has done a reasonable um, um, piece of work in, in terms of improving the quality of the assets, um, principally held over in the US. But you, you, you just can't get away from the fact that um, we're in a period at the moment where that the iron ore prices, you know, run to $200. That always creates strength in the scrap metal price because it's seen as a substitute. Um, for for other metals, um, we've seen roaring demand as the world has bounced back out of COVID, and um, you know the you know the housing construction renovation booms and um, the the complete gyration, the the complete bounce back in um, in manufacturing that we've seen globally has caught a lot of businesses short metal. Um, if you just look at what you know Blue Scope said recently to the Australian yeah. share market, the demand for steel has just gone yeah. through the roof out yep. of nowhere. But I. This, this is the frothy part of the cycle. Um, the, the cycle always tends, um, with cyclical businesses, I always find I, I probably get interested in them a bit early and I, and I sort of start to get wary of them a bit early as well. The cycle tends to last longer than you tend to think it's going to, and, and that might be the case here. But I'd be wary at these levels. So I think, you know, if there's one thing you can be certain on with Sims, there will be another period of depression in metals, prices, demand, et cetera, and there will be another period of euphoria. And you really want to get keen on it when it's going through those depressed parts of the cycle and wary when it's at 
parts of the cycle that yeah. it's going through at the moment. All right, Shell from you on Sims. Last stock, we'll need to get to, through this fairly quickly, guys, because of, uh, of timing issues. Uh, Laura wants a view, Ben, on Adairs, the, uh, the homewares retailer. Yep. Okay, so we don't own this, but having looked at it, I've got to say this is a buy. Um, that These guys, I think retail really comes down to two things. The people who are managing the business, it's a highly specialised industry, and I've just found that there are some that do it consistently better than many others, and you need a niche. You need an area where people really feel that's, you know, that's the category killer in some ways, and we all know examples of that. Adairs, I think, have got the people, and they seem to have the niche, they had a, an amazing result in February when I looked at the numbers and they're trading on a forward PE of about 11 times and a yield of about 5.5% fully franked. This has always been a cyclical business in the past, but I, I think this cycle is going to keep going for them. And as I said, you know, if you've got the right people, they can keep pivoting. So yep. I'll go buy. Yep. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Adairs? Yeah, look, I like it too. We, we already have a standing buy on this one. Uh, everything echo everything Ben says. I think you look at sort of total shareholder returns. I, I, you know, great yields. I, I've got a price tag. I'm just looking at my notes of about 540. So that gives us you know a good whack of upside. Um, it, it's more for a, a longer term holder, self managed super yep. fund style holder. It's not going to be the one that doubles or triples. Um, but I think there's great quality here. Um, return on equity, you know, 30% plus for the last X number of years. Uh, so yeah, look, very high quality stock and, and a great, uh, you know, core holding okay. kind of self-managed super fund. So I'm happy well, to go that, buy as well. That is exactly what Laura wanted. Uh, she said, can I have an expert opinion on this for a long-term buy, uh, for the long-term. So there you go, Laura. There you go. Uh, absolutely targeted for you. Uh, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you're Boys, the Eagles, chalk up one on the weekend, stay in the eight. Good luck. Oh, we need it, David. We need it. And if we, I think we're going to finish eighth and we will play you guys in the first week of the finals over there. Looking Ooh, forward to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a prediction for you. Looking at the charts and the ladder. Um, ben from, uh, from, from TMS, good to see you, mate. Thanks, Kashi. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Kogan, look, I know from both of the guys, but... They reckon good company getting down to reasonable value. They're going to watch for Kogan's earnings report coming out in the next couple of weeks um, and could actually move on it then to see how it comes out. Uh, Novanex, a hold from Ben, a buy from uh, Carl. Select Harvest, um, a hold from both. Uh, Sims, a hold from Carl, a sell from Ben, and both like Adairs. So uh, on today's panel, Nick Scarley and Adairs go into the calls portfolio to the retailers. Uh, that's our show for today. If you'd um, like any stocks for us to have a look at, uh, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, if you've got any comments on what you, uh, the sort of opinion you want on the stock, like I like Laura uh, with the dares saying, an opinion for a long term, uh, that's really good. And so, some of the comments you have on the stocks um, that we can put to the panel always make it interesting as well. So don't be afraid to do that. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.